Thank you for listening to sermon podcasts from the Anglican Church Noosa. This is the final week in the Kingdom Come series, and today's topic is Repenting to Enter the Kingdom. The preacher is Chris Johnson. A reading from Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 to 30, which can be found in your Pew Bibles on page 976. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we come to the last of our series, Kingdom Come. Uh, We're in Matthew 11. It'd be very helpful to have uh, your Bible open in front of you uh, in the Pew Bible. If you're going to use that, it's page 976, Matthew 11, and we're looking at verses 20 to 30. You know, the scriptures present Jesus to us in many different ways, but two of the key ideas that come through again and again Uh, Jesus as our judge and Jesus as our saviour. Two contrasting ideas, Jesus as judge, Jesus as saviour. And what I find remarkable about Jesus is the way he combines those two roles so perfectly and seamlessly. And I noticed that in this passage before us this morning. In the first section, verses 20 to 24, we have Jesus pronouncing judgment on towns in which he has been ministering. He's done many miracles in these towns, yet they have refused to repent and believe in him. And so he tells them judgment's coming. But in the second section, verses 20 to 30, sorry, 25, verses 25 to 30, we find Jesus' comfort for those who do repent. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's quite remarkable the way Jesus can speak judgment and then then in the very next breath bring salvation and hope. 
I'm reminded of what Paul said writing to the Romans. He said, consider then the kindness and the severity of God. So what makes the difference between judgment or salvation? Well, from this passage, it's very clear, isn't it? It's repentance. And by repentance, Jesus doesn't just mean being sorry for your sins. No, the passage is about our response to Jesus. It's about turning away from self-rule to Christ rule in our lives. Or in terms of our series theme, it's about acknowledging Jesus as king reigning in his kingdom and saying, I want to be in that kingdom and I want him to reign in my life. And so that's the framework in which I want to explore this passage this morning as we come to the end of our series on Kingdom Come. Firstly, Jesus as judge. These towns that Jesus is talking about were located around the Sea of Galilee. We're told that this is where Jesus did most of his miracles. And so in Bethsaida, Mark 8 records uh, for us that people brought a blind man and Jesus healed them. In Luke 9, we find Jesus in Bethsaida teaching about the kingdom of God and healing the sick. For Chorazin, uh, we don't have any recorded miracles in the New Testament. But uh, John, in his gospel, made it clear that Jesus did so much more than could ever be recorded in, uh, in books. And so maybe Chorazin comes into that category. Capernaum certainly witnessed Jesus' miracles. Uh, in Luke 4, we read Jesus cast out a demon and then taught in the synagogue on the Sabbath in Capernaum. Capernaum is the home of Simon Peter, where we know Jesus stayed at his house. Uh, You'll recall the story of Jesus healing Simon's mother-in-law in in Luke 4. And straight after that, that evening, uh, at sunset, we're told crowds gathered around the front door of the house. uh, And Jesus came out and he healed all the sicknesses, laid hands on each one, uh, bringing healing and casting out demons. And so we have these many stories of Jesus ministering in these places Uh, that Jesus talks about uh, in today's reading. Yet the people did not repent. Isn't that sad? They took the miracles, (laughs) they took the healing, but said, no, Jesus, you keep your distance. We don't want you to reign over us. And so Jesus says to Chorazin and Bethsaida that it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for them. And Capernaum is going to go down to Hades. If Solomon had seen the miracles performed in Capernaum, they would have repented. But Capernaum refuses to repent, so a judgment even worse than Sodom is coming upon them. I think these warnings are among the most sober and serious words Jesus ever spoke. You see, he had lived in Capernaum. He knew the people. They were his friends and neighbours. He would have known the shopkeeper, the city official, the local farmers. And it must have broken his heart to see them rejecting himself and the kingdom. We don't have any detail on why they didn't repent, except that we know the general human condition. And the way Jesus expresses that is you can see there in verses 25 and 26. I'll read it for you. It says, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. 
To repent, you see, is to become like a little child. Not to become childish, but to trust. To trust in someone who is bigger and smarter than you uh, and can get you through life, uh, be your helper, as Fran explained, and bring you salvation. What is the natural human condition? The natural condition of us is to say we're big enough and smart enough to work it out for ourselves. Isn't that what education is supposed to do? Give you the problem-solving skills to tackle life's questions and make your way through life? Every time there's a major social problem, what does our society say is the solution? Roll out the education campaign. How often do we hear that? Now, don't get me wrong, I'm all in favour of education and I take my hat off to those of you who are teachers. Uh, Incredible job you do uh, teaching the children and doing so much more than just teaching these days uh, with bringing them up sometimes. Uh, And I guess in a society that doesn't know God, uh, it's probably the best we can expect, that education. We should be grateful for what education can achieve. Sometimes government education programs work. But at best, they're really only skimming across the surface of the problem, not getting down to the root causes. They may be able to change some human behaviours, but they can't change the human heart because in the end, only the gospel can do that. We live in a society where the key educational thinkers are often have a prejudice against the Christian faith and they don't accept Christian assumptions. The label progressive thinking is owned by many academics and now seen as the way to take us into a new era of human flourishing. But it seems to me that while technology is making progress in heaps and bounds, Uh, The progress in human behaviour, it seems to me, is heading in the other direction. (laughs) Or maybe I'm just getting older. Or or both. (laughs) Okay, yeah. I'm a preacher, it's either or. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Jesus' words, though, what does Jesus say in this passage? He says, the kingdom is hidden from the wise and learned. Hidden from the wise and learned, revealed to little children. And it would appear that the towns of Chorazin, Bethsaida and Capernaum were full of people who thought they were wise and learned in their own eyes and didn't need Jesus. Now, does that mean that we who sit here in church are the truly smart ones because, you know, we've worked out that we do need Jesus? Well, not at all. Look at the next verse. It's only... Uh, because God has graciously softened our hearts by the Holy Spirit that we can see our need and respond to Jesus. Look at verse 27. Uh, I'll start halfway through verse 27. Jesus says this. He says, no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. It's only in God's gracious electing purposes that we can come to know the Father and the Son. And so don't ever think that you're more clever or superior to non-believers. You wouldn't be able to see the beauty of Jesus, the treasures of the kingdom, unless God had by his Spirit uh, initiated uh, your soft heart to come to him. 
Look at the last three verses, though, verses 28 to 30. These are some of the most beautiful verses in the Bible, uh, setting out the salvation that we have in Jesus. Uh, Verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Are those familiar words? I hope they are. Some of the most beautiful words in scripture, uh, the most welcoming, encouraging invitation there is uh, in the scriptures. Jesus saying, come to me and I will give you rest. But what does Jesus' rest mean? From what we've been learning about the kingdom, it doesn't sound very restful, does it? Jesus calls for more workers to go into the harvest. It's about work. He sends out the 12 with no bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or staff. He gives them a warning of persecution. He says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. There's a warning about coming before kings and being flogged. A warning about families turning against them. So where's the easy yoke and the rest in all of that? The rest, my friends, is in simply knowing Jesus. Because if we have him, we have everything we need. Um, My mind goes to Psalm 84. Listen to, to this beautiful psalm. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. You go down to verse 10, it says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. That's the rest Jesus promises. Simply knowing God, simply being in his presence, simply uh, sitting under his glory, being in worship, knowing God. Isn't it interesting also that Jesus doesn't say, find your rest in God. He, He says, come to me doesn't point away. He's actually saying, come to me. He says, take my yoke upon you. Jesus is putting himself in the very place of God and offering us that eternal rest. Quite remarkable. A little insight into uh, who he really is. I want to share with you uh, a story of a gentleman who came to see me uh, with a problem. Uh, he's not in this parish, so uh, this is completely anonymous. Don't try and, um, and make guesses. Uh, he had a problem. His wife had left him, and he was devastated. He admitted that he had not been the best husband in the world, and in fact at times had been quite selfish. But he was quite shocked when she actually left because he didn't think he was that bad. He said he was completely depressed as life totally had revolved around his wife. He always had thought she would be there for him, uh, but now there was only this gnawing, empty, lonely feeling. And he didn't want to keep on living. My suggestion to him was that he needed a bigger perspective from which to see his problem. I said a bigger perspective could be the kingdom of God. And that this would throw new light on his problem. I said it might help him to redefine what he thinks about happiness and to make some new goals. 
Well, his response to me was, I'm not a religious man, just help me get my wife back and I'll be happy. Maybe the different perspective he needed to hear was here in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's quite ironic, isn't it, that some people think believing in Jesus will be a burden, when in actual fact, it is rest. They think Jesus' yoke is hard and they reject it. Yet I've seen people wrecking their lives again and again as they vainly search for the easy life and in the process destroy all their relationships. The more you hanker after a kingdom where you're the king, then the more demanding you become uh, and you push other people away. It's a sure way to repel others and prevent uh, you having any deep relationships. This gentleman was so demanding and so unhappy. And in the end, he, uh, sorry, in the end, he was the one carrying the heavy yoke when Jesus' yoke would have set him free. So, my friends, I want you to note both the kindness and the severity of God. Severity on those who are wise in their own eyes and refuse to repent, but kindness to those who accept his gracious invitation those who come to him like a little child and find rest. In this series, uh, we have seen both people who repent and those who don't. Today, the severity of God is upon the people of Chorazin, Bethsaida and Capernaum. The severity of God is on those who persecute his little ones, the ones who believe in him. The severity of God is upon all those who find any excuse they can to reject God. My friends, make no mistake, there is judgment in the kingdom of God, a completely just and righteous judgment before the judge who sees it all. But in the kingdom of God, there is also great kindness. And this is seen in Jesus' gracious invitation to come to him. In week one, kindness to that synagogue leader who begged Jesus to come and attend to his daughter who had just died. Kindness to the woman who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years and was healed. Kindness to the two blind men who cried out, have mercy on us, son of David, and they were healed. Kindness to the 12 apostles who were called and accepted Jesus' invitation and were sent out in mission. For all these people, the kingdom was present in Jesus. They recognized it, they repented, and they uh, joined in in Jesus' mission to bring in the kingdom. My friends, have you heard the call of the kingdom? Have you accepted the gracious invitation of the King? Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Amen. The Anglican Church Noosa is an evangelical Anglican church on the northern end of the Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. Our vision is living to love and proclaim Jesus. Our core values are being Christ-centred, Bible-based, spirit-led and mission-shaped. If you have found this sermon helpful and would like to contribute to the ongoing ministry of ACN, please go to our website, anglicanchurchnoosa.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening.